Welcome to Press Coverage. I'm Theo Greminger. And at Press Coverage, we're trying to give you the edges to win your fantasy leagues. We're trying to bring on sharp guests and give you actionable information that can help you. And guys, it's week 10. This is the nitty gritty. We only have a few more weeks of this before we're in the fantasy playoffs. So we've got to churn out some wins. We've got to do well on the waiver wire this week. Basically, we need to be, for a lot of you, need to be perfect to make the playoffs. And some of you need to get yourself in shape to make a playoff run. Uh, so I'm excited today. This is first time on press coverage, but not the first time I have po- podcasted with Pat. I have Pat Fitzmorris from uh, Fantasy Pros, uh, one of the best. We've, you know, the guy does so much content. And I'll say for my solo pod, you were a big influence on on myself because I used to love Fitz on Fantasy for years, and I would listen to it. It was a great show, um, and like your style of podcasting really like resonated with me. And it's been like very cool to get to podcast with you, you know, a few times now. So welcome to press coverage. Really excited to have you on. Pat, how are you doing? Week 10, man. It's it's rolling along. Oh, Theo, thank you for having me. Doing great. Um, you you said sharp guests. What am I doing here? Um, you're very, you know, don't be self-deprecating. I'm, I'm you, got the, you, got, you got the receipts. You got the receipts. <laughs> thank you for the flattering words about um fits on fantasy. That's really good to hear. And uh, yeah, man, always love catching up with you. Um, you know, you're an awesome dude, Theo. Love player profiler. So uh, it is an honor to be here. So I think everybody at this point knows, you know, they follow you on Twitter and they follow your work. But what's like a week for you at Fantasy Pros looking like this time in the season in terms of podcasting, in terms of writing? I love what you guys do, a collaboration for the Waiver Wire article. I think that's cool. But kind of let everybody know how your week goes, what you have, you're churning out and where they can find your work. Yeah, I mean, it starts on Sunday with, um, you know, all the the run up to the games and and answering as many start sit questions as possible, usually doing a live stream, either fantasy pros or betting pros Sunday night, Like we we crank out that waiver article on Sunday night because we want we know people are licking their wounds on Monday morning. We want to be first to market with that. So, uh, you know, we want people to be able to start their waiver shopping Monday more than, you know, like 36 hours before they have to put their claims in. So I'm normally up with that till like one or two in the morning. Um, yeah. And then it's just, you know, like I do a tears article that I'm usually done with like midday Thursday rankings all day, Monday um, shows throughout the week. So there's a lot going on like every day. It's, it's crazy, but um, you know, it's a grind, but the week's are flying by, man. I can't believe we're onto week 10 already. So anyway, but yeah, people can check out all our shows, the, the fantasy pros football podcast. Uh, please, you know, go to fantasypros.com, check out our waiver article and all the other great stuff out there. We're cranking out articles every week and, uh, you know, our betting pros website. If, if you happen to like wagering on games, player props, over unders, uh, any sport, betting pros has what you're looking for. So um, yeah, thanks for the opportunity to pitch all that, Theo. No, it's great. And you know, I, I, I sometimes I like to, you know, I think people know your site. You guys are obviously very well known, but is there a particular tool or section you like to use, uh, you know, on, on your website? I always find this interesting because like our website's always so layered, but there's always like a couple of things that I find myself going back to and actually using in my weekly process. Is there anything like that for you on your site? Yeah, it's funny, man. Like I'll, um, you know, I'll look for things like um, quarterback combos to draft. Like, you know, in, in August, like, oh, I should, I'm trying to get this quarterback in every league. Who's a good guy to pair up with him as far as matchups? And it's like, I'll Google that. And all of a sudden it like pops up one of our sites. Like we have tools I don't even know about. We have so many frigging tools on our site, but um, it's definitely like the, the, the league manager syncing your league and being able to manage, you know, and I, I'm sure listeners of this show, um, consumers of this show, like most of them are in more than one league, right? Uh, yes. Like you cater to the diehards. So, um, you know, our site and our, uh, the ability to manage, everything by syncing all your leagues on our site and uh you know just using our dashboard is probably number one yeah no i love it and for me when i go to your site it's it's funny i it almost becomes like a home page for me when i'm writing in the summer for one specific thing where it'll list your your it's just very manageable your fantasy overall scoring leaders by year 
like I can quickly navigate and pull up like a couple years of data uh, from fantasy pros in looking at, you know, the scoring. And it's just, it's very easy to use just like our site is uh, you can use the code Theo right now. The all in package has been lowered to $85 for the season. Excuse me. I believe we actually are dropping it uh, November 1st. I think it dropped even further, uh, but you can get $10 off with the code Theo. But I know like for our site, I love how we list, you know, the players scoring by week. Um, so there's always like little things you're, you're navigating, you're, you know, gravitating towards on these big intricate sites like fantasy pros and player profiler, but it's really cool. And, you know, one thing is Pat, you know, we do a lot of content in the off season and I know you and D bro and Andrew Erickson, Bo McBray are all the great people you have at fantasy pros put a lot of effort into identifying ADP targets in picking the guys that you like at ADP and then also ranking them. And I think you guys, you know, have hours and hours of podcasts about this and hours of hours of writing articles. And then it comes down to it and we get the actual NFL data and there's always hits and misses. Who was a guy this year that you were bullish on or the site was bullish on that's been a, a big disappointment for you? I think Bijan springs immediately to mind. And, um, you know, like I wound up, I wound up sort of paying the price on that myself. Well, I had a, a top three tier with, uh, you know, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Christian McCaffrey, and then a second three with in some order. Um, and I, I wasn't wedded to any order with these three, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill and Bijan. Um, and, as luck would have it, Theo, I wound up drafting either four or five in like a, the vast majority of my 12 team drafts. So I was I was shopping in that Kelsey, Tyreek, Bijan uh, tier. And like I was kind of spreading my bets around, but I picked four and five enough that I have a lot of Bijan. And the usage is just so maddening. Like it's nothing through, you know, it's not Bijan busting. Even if you take out his infamous one carry illness game, he's averaging 12.8 carries a game. Uh, and he has had more than 14 carries in a game one time. Like Tyler Algier has 13 more carries than Bijan Robinson, even though Bijan has not been injured. And Algier is averaging 3.2 yards per carry, Bijan's averaging five yards per carry. Arthur Smith's play calling is like performance art. Theo. It's it's yeah. like he's the avant-garde artist who uh, takes a leak on a canvas and uh, features it in his exhibition. Like it's just there's there's no justification for giving Bijan as little work as he's getting this season. We could say it in a more simpler way is Arthur Smith is a sicko and he hates us in fantasy football. He's like the opposite of, of Mike McDaniel who I think genuinely is like, thinks it's cool that his guys are producing fantasy points. Arthur Smith, it's like he's trolling us at points in this season. Like, you know, I get it. The Johnny Smith thing, that's a guy he's had a connection with. Um, and maybe Kyle Pitts is never going to be the player that we wanted him to be. But the Bijan one, they use top 10 draft capital on him this season. All of the other players that are drafted in this sort of range have had, you know, much more high volume rookie seasons than what we're seeing with Bijan and how he continually mixes in Tyler Algier to, to like the team's detriment is kind of beyond me. And the problem is Pat, like I, I feel like you could have a Josh McDaniels, like, you know, weight off the shoulder of the Atlanta Falcons and you'd see the offense opening up if they made a head coaching change, but the division is so bad that they're going to be right there till the end. But, you know, I still let's, let's have some hope for Bijan Robinson um, you know, we have a lot of football left there. Again, they're going to be in some tight games and I think they've got to lean on him if they're going to be a threat to make the playoffs and, and do any damage there. They're going to get a home, a home game potentially, uh, if they win the South. So, um, I don't know. It's very, very, very disappointing. How about a guy on the flip side? That's been a big positive surprise for you that you were either on, um, you know, in terms of an ADP target, or maybe you completely missed it, but a guy who's, who's play or usage has really had you uh, excited. If someone would have whispered in my ear before the season, Theo, like get get Zach Moss on your teams. You're gonna you're gonna love having him early on in the season. 
Um, like I, I just, I'm not sure I would have even believed it had it been a like reputable fortune teller giving me that advice. Um, I, like I thought the guy stunk and, uh, not only is he not stunk this year, but like when they needed him, when Jonathan Taylor was out and, uh, you know, like he was great, not only running the ball, but catching the ball, something we didn't really think he could do. Um, he was so good that he actually kind of, uh, stalled. Jonathan Taylor's like return to prominence as a ball carrier. Like now Zach Moss is starting to go away a little bit and he's just kind of going to be the change of pace guy or whatever. But man, like he provided a lot of fantasy value from, uh, you know, quite an unlikely source. A guy I think a lot of us has had just dismissed as like barely worthy in an NFL roster spot and uh, runner up to Nico Collins. Like I, I was kind of cautiously optimistic about Nico. Um, like I thought he was mildly intriguing, but he is really, really good. Like eye-opening talent. So uh, I've been super impressed by him. Love, love, love Nico Collins. Nico Collins is like a locked-in mid wide receiver two rest of the season. We're going to talk about CJ Stroud shortly, but I love your Zach Moss call. And it's very funny because you think of Zach Moss. He seems like a guy who's been in the league for 10 years, but he's only 25 years old. And it's really, it's really amazing is right. You know, last year he was a guy just completely brushed aside. uh, So the team could bring on Naheem Hines and, you know, Zach Moss is a guy who never really had the opportunity. And now it's, it was a really nice run. And I'll say, you know, I don't think he's completely done yet. Like the, the, you know, volumes obviously gone to Jonathan Taylor, but at the very least, he's one of the best handcuff backs in the league. Um, and I do think he'll have a couple more useful weeks. So uh, Zach Moss, definitely one we've heard before here and definitely one that uh, is is a breath of fresh air in terms of we've got to be on our toes when guys get opportunities. I think it's almost a lesson learned for this coming offseason. And uh, I'd like to preface this. I told Pat he couldn't say Puka Nakua. So that's like the obvious answer for, for everyone. But we're going to dive into Monday Night Football uh, Jets, Chargers uh, reactions We're going to talk about C.J. Stroud and a bunch of other players who absolutely crushed in week nine after we hear from a word from our sponsors. Hey, we're all starting new fantasy leagues all the time. And more often than not, where do we start our fantasy leagues at Player Profiler? On Sleeper. Because it's the best. You can imagine my excitement when I saw Sleeper rolled out. Slaper picks, baby. And game stacking is the path to positive returns with these pick'em games. Find that sneaky shootout and set most of the players to go over their projection for that week. Or you find a game going to get dragged into the mud and take every member of the passing game for less than their projections that week. And if you pick up to eight, that's how you 100x your payout on Slaper. It's called the Hail Mary. So if you use promo code UNDERWORLD, you get a $100 instant deposit match. Check out Sleeper's terms and conditions for details. These Sleeper picks are live in over 25 states. Yeah, buddy. Welcome back to Press Coverage. Pat, we've got to talk about Monday Night Football. Um, first off, why don't we start with Keenan Allen? Keenan Allen had a nice game, but what a significant uh, milestone for him as a player. Goes over 10,000 receiving yards. Uh, basically, your thoughts on, on Allen and his career. And and this is a, a guy that, you know, has been kind of a dynasty sell for years and he just doesn't go away. It's, it's funny. Like I remember like three, four years ago, people thought he was on, on a down downward spiral and he's certainly not. I think he's a locked in wide receiver one for the rest of the season. Um, especially with all of the attrition they've had at the wide receiver spot, but basically your thoughts on Keenan Allen and the milestone he reached, um, and you know, how he's been in his career. Yeah, Keenan said it well himself when uh, I think someone asked him who he would compare himself to. And I, I think the uh, Inquisitor was expecting some other NFL player. Um, and he, you know, cited Picasso and uh, some other artists like he is he is a route running artist. And I guess that's how you make yourself a uh, into like a difference making NFL wide receiver when you're not fast. And, yep. and Keenan Allen really came into the league with like pedestrian speed so um yeah credit to him and remember early in his career where we thought like he he had all those major injuries and we thought like this was an injury prone player but he's held up pretty well and uh with his game like not not a lot of big plays not like a prolific touchdown guy so he does need volume and I was always worried that 
a guy who had those sorts of injury problems early in his career and like needs volume to like get over as a fantasy player because he's not a splash play guy and does like most of his business over the middle. Like I thought that was going to necessarily lead to a lot of injuries. Not really the case. He's been surprisingly durable. Um, Yeah. Just a a PPR machine. Great career. I I think he's going to wind up in the hall of fame. Yeah. I I was going to ask you whether you thought he'd be in Canton and I think it makes sense. And I think he's got a lot of football left in him. Uh, It seems like a guy who's going to age very, very well. Cause again, his game is never based on speed. He's just an absolute killer as a route runner. And he's also benefited from Philip Rivers and now Justin Herbert, guys that really, really kind of mesh with him. And I think it's always a, a lesson learned is when we have a wide receiver that we really like in the pre-draft process, and then the guy goes out and runs like a low 4-6 type number. Those guys are not dead. They're just, they have less outs, but you can always cite Keenan Allen, who, you know, nowadays would get completely buried I think that that 40 would have buried him even more. Um, he was a third round pick, but I don't know if he'd be a third round pick in today's day and age. He'd probably be, you know, a guy that would go in like the fourth or fifth. Um, you know, guys think teams are going to be a little more averse to that, but what a player looks great for the rest of the season. Austin Eckler, we don't really have to talk about. Uh, he scores twice. Uh, he's looks like he's back to being a, you know, at least a locked in top eight type running back for the rest of the season. But I got to ask you about Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert was a guy that started off very quickly for the season. Um, I remember Fantasy Mojo Darren Armani posted like the best possible draft picks that you could have made across like the all of the FFPC leagues. And over the first like month, month and a half of the season, Justin Herbert was found on a, a lot of teams that were first in in, in their league uh, and a couple teams that were pretty high up in the overall uh, because he really produced well and you drafted him at a relatively affordable price. But the last few weeks we've seen multiple wide receiver injuries you know he loses Mike Williams Gerald Everett missed for a time now Josh Palmer missed uh and you know I don't know if Josh Palmer is going to be back anytime soon either we want to have a little more clarity on that this week but it seems like the wide receiver attrition is starting to catch up with him a little bit he's had two out of the last three weeks that have been very disappointing from fantasy production do you think this is a blip on the radar or do you think this is a trend where we need to treat him as kind of a low end QB one, as opposed to like a locked in top six guy? I think I've got him at quarterback seven in my rest of season rankings, Theo. And um, yeah, I mean, he's just had really bad luck with his targets uh, staying healthy. Mike Williams with the season ending injury, Josh Palmer now is going to miss extensive time. And the, the thing is like Williams and, and Palmer really good. Number two and number three receiver. Without those guys, and, you know, like we've talked about Keenan Allen's limitations. He is not a downfield guy. He's not a home run threat. They need a little lifter, and they might not have it because it does not look like Quentin Johnston is ready for prime time. And I I like QJ a lot. I I think we've gotten spoiled over the last 10 years or so with rookie receivers coming in and making a big impact. Like when I uh, started playing fantasy football back in the, uh, you know, uh, Iron Age, Theo, um, like it was, you never drafted rookie receivers because those guys never popped. They needed time. And maybe Quentin Johnston just needs time. Some of those guys are still like that, but he is, he is not getting it done right now. Um, big problem. So they've got one receiver who really isn't a deep threat. Um, you know, the Gerald Everett has been hurt. Austin Eckler missed what three games. Yep. So um, like, it's just been hard for, Herbert, when he's been missing like at least one of his principal pass catchers in like every game this season. So um, like, I, I think he's going to be fine. And um, by the way, can we, can we talk about Austin Eckler real fast, Theo? Like I, I know. Go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say like, yeah, he's had, he's been spraying on the touchdown deodorant the last couple of weeks, two against the jets, one the week before, but in the four games since he's been back from injury, has not hit 50 rushing yards in any of those games, averaging 2.6 yards per carry, uh, which is fine if Austin Eckler's catching passes uh, in bulk. Hasn't really been the case in his four games since the injury. Uh, his receiving totals four for 35, one for one, uh, seven for 94 and a touchdown. That was a that was a good day. And then last night, two for 23. So 
right now, I mean, it's it's kind of just the touchdowns and not much else. I, like, I don't know what the takeaway is. I'm not saying Austin Eckler's toast or anything like that, but I think everyone still regards him as the super premium fantasy asset, and maybe he's just a premium fantasy asset. You know, it's interesting. I talked to you in the pre pre-game, uh, pre-show about uh, Dynasty Life, my Dynasty podcast, and this is redraft focused on on press coverage, but Ryan McDowell had an interesting suggestion about Alvin Kamara's dynasty value versus Austin Eckler's dynasty value. And Kamara has been, you know, scoring a ton. And Eckler is a guy who has seen his scoring at least diminish a little bit from last year. You bring up the, you know, the efficiency numbers. And I, I do think we'll see a couple more, you know, very big weeks as a receiver. Last night, the target share was there, just the production wasn't. But how about Eckler or Kamara? in dynasty pat is this like the like a rejuvenated kamara are you making that deal if you're a dynasty manager because that deal is absolutely there for you yeah i think i'd rather have kamara to be honest theo and i I wouldn't have thought that coming into the season because it seemed like ever since the departure of uh sean payton like they had been trending towards more conventional usage for kamara where they're giving him like a good number of carries and not nearly the targets he was seeing in his first three years when he was catching 81 balls a year. Um, lately though, like they've been, Derek Carr has been checking down to Camaro more than Drew Brees used to. And uh, like, it's been spectacular. So now, um, assuming that Carr is there for at least one more year as the starter, like, yeah, I, I think I prefer Camaro to Eckler. Kamara's like the guy that you that I don't think dynasty managers know how to value. Like that's a guy that if you're in a dynasty league, kick the tires on him. I think a lot of a lot of people were kind of treat him like found money, uh, and a lot of people don't like rostering these guys past the AJ packs. So unless a, the team is a top three uh, team in the league, then I think you've got a good chance of prying uh, Kamara away. Very interesting to kind of have this conversation a few months when we get to the off season. But if I would have offered you, uh Kamara for your Eckler in August, you would have laughed at me or yes. sent me kind of a nasty little message in, in, in the reply. So it just goes to show you how quickly usage changes. And these a lot of these guys, you know, it really is the scheme because, you know, the previous coaching staff, you know, or the was really not using him in this same light. And now we're seeing this big bounce back. So uh, Kamara, definitely an interesting one. Zach Wilson, just awful. Uh, this, you know, any thoughts on, on the jets here, how surprised are you that with the trade deadline, um, and guys, you know, you, you see like Carson Wentz guys like this out on the street that the jets didn't make a more concentrated effort to go and bring in a potential signal caller, because there's not a team in the league that has a more of a disconnect between the amount of defensive talent, skill position talent, at least for a few guys. And then the quarterback position, your thoughts. Yeah, the Vikings do look kind of sharp for going after Josh Dobbs, because while Josh Dobbs is no one's idea of like a long term answer at quarterback, like he can make an offense functional, like he can move the chains with his legs. He can complete, you know, the occasional third down and and 10 um, just to go out and do that. And like it was the Arizona Cardinals sitting on Josh Dobbs with Kyler Murray waiting in the wings and like not really caring if they had to start Clayton tune for a game or two. Like why wasn't anyone else knocking on the Cardinals door about Josh Dobbs and especially the jets who have this defense. I mean, part of why Justin Herbert didn't look good. Like the jets have this no fly zone, like their secondary, their corners are amazing. Um, they can rush the passer from like a number of different positions. Like they are really tough on defense and they just do not have enough offense of, credible passing game and it's too bad like I thought maybe Zach Wilson might be able to have a decent second act in his career if he was able to sit and kind of watch behind Aaron Rodgers and that plan went awry I don't know like I'm not totally ready to write off Zach Wilson but I think at at this point like the best you could hope for is like one of these uh Mitch Trubisky type careers where he's the uh you know either considered a good backup or a starter who's just keeping the seat warm for the next guy I think, you know, when you watch last night, uh, or if you're if you're watching, if you're listening to this podcast, it might have been two nights ago. Um, we're recording this on Tuesday. You know, like Wilson is just not there mentally. 
Like the, the, the a lot of those sacks are completely on him. I know there was a lot of criticism of the Jets' offensive line, but Wilson is just he's just holding this offense back. And I think that if they lose to the Raiders this week, I think they might be forced into a quarterback change. Just my gut feel, uh, based on how ugly that was, how it was a big opportunity for them in a primetime game, and they fell fall completely flat on their face. So that one remains to be seen. But uh, I want to also kind of talk a little bit about waivers. This is a week where, you know, and I'll, I'll give you guys a shout out. Anybody who comes on, I've had John Daigle. Um, I've had Ryan Reynolds of the 33rd team. Uh, you know, obviously you and, and D-Bro, like writing and doing waiver wire content is like a labor of love. I do it for Player Profiler. Uh, it's an absolute grind. I really, really enjoy it. But a big hat tip to you guys. But like my initial read is, especially in deeper leagues, this is a pretty rough week, but there's a few very intriguing names at the top. Let's start off with the one that I think is giving people a little bit of pause in certain senses. And it's a big polarizing player right now because like, I'm super excited about Keaton Mitchell, but then you hear a couple other, uh, you know, content creators who have kind of questioned it and said, you know, this might be a guy we have to wait on a while and it might never really happen. This might've been his best game. Where are you at on Keaton Mitchell? And would this be a guy you're unloading the fab on, you know, especially in a deeper format? Yeah, um, I think how you handle it, it's kind of a, a texture thing. I'll get into that in a sec, Theo. But um, like, I think we have to look at this as a, a range of outcomes. Like, I, I know I've seen a couple of people like, go out and get Keaton Mitchell. Um, he's interesting for sure. But I, I think there's a chance, maybe about a one in four chance, that he remains the third running back in this backfield and a, a distant third. Like, would it totally shock you if like Keaton Mitchell played five snaps and had two touches uh, in week 10? Well, I don't think so. I think that he's, I think that like at the very least they're going to start mixing him in. I think that the fear is this is going to be a, a big running back by committee. Um, but I think that Keaton Mitchell he gives them an explosiveness that they just lack with Justice Hill and Gus Edwards. And I think this offense is starting to really come on. And if, if you look at Keaton Mitchell from this past week, he was getting touches in the second quarter, a lot of the third quarter. And I realized they were in control, but you know, for him to rip off a 40 yarder and a 60 yarder in the same game, I, I just think it's difficult to put that away. And Gus Edwards you know, hat tip to, to Gus Edwards, like, you know, six touchdowns in, in three games, like great. Um, but Gus Edwards has already had a career high in touchdown rushing touchdowns. Justice Hill is a guy that I think is getting the, the most he can get. It kind of is rational coaching to me to at least make Keaton Mitchell like a, a, a manufactured touch guy, um, kind of like a, like a, and obviously I don't, I'm not saying he's Devon a chain, but in the same sense where you're using him on specific plays and, and, and packages, I don't know. But I think that there's also a scenario where he ends up becoming a guy where you're getting 12 to 15 touches a game in that offense. I think there's a scenario where that happens. And then that's a guy we have in our, our starting lineup every single week and a guy that's a big, big player in the fantasy playoffs. So I think I don't mind spending. I realize that there's more kind of inherent risk than with certain backs that are like plug and play guys. But it's hard for teams to kind of put that away would be my biggest takeaway. Yeah. So with that range, I think at the low end of the range is that he stays a distant third in the backfield. The The next possibility is that it's a true three-man backfield. And then it's it's kind of messy where they're all getting like close to an equal number of snaps and touches every week. Um Another possibility, he supplants Justice Hill as the lightning to Gus Edwards' thunder. And then the fourth and final possibility uh, that he turns out to be the second Chris Johnson, super fast guy from East Carolina and, uh, you know, becomes this extremely valuable commodity. Now, I think there's like a one or two percent chance that we see that last thing happen. Um, and really, of the other three possibilities, the only one that makes him fantasy relevant is if he supplants Justice Hill. Uh, otherwise, if it's a three way backfield on a team where the quarterback likes to often run the ball in himself for touchdowns close to the goal line or where he's a distant third in this backfield. Like I'm, I think it's probably 60% or more. You get one of those bottom two results in which case you'll wasted whatever fab you spent on him. But based on the 40% upside play where he is a, a fantasy relevant guy and maybe you're a really valuable guy. 
Um, you know, like I think you can justify it if if you're down to your last gasp in a league, if you're sitting at four and five and need to make a dramatic move or three and six and have a lot of fab left, sure, man, blow it. Um, or if you are sitting on like, you know, 96 fab dollars cause you haven't had anyone get hurt this year. And, uh, why not take a shot at a guy who could potentially be a difference maker? Like, I don't think that's the likely outcome, but it is a possible outcome. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of a tricky one. Like I can't just, give a one size fits all recommendation, go out and spend 23 on Keaton Mitchell. And if you get him great, and if you don't find like, it does kind of depend on your individual situation. Yeah. And I think that he's definitely a guy that you want to price check because if the, if the, like the upside outcome happens, you don't want that to be a guy that your league mate got for, you know, 18%. So I think I'm, I'm at least price checking him, but there's a few leagues, like you said, where I need a jolt. And I'm going to go pretty heavy on him. And I will say that the it's it's interesting because Mitchell's a guy that we had in the waiver wire column for like so many weeks earlier in the year. And then you end up putting him on your team for like a dollar. And then he doesn't get an opportunity. You have to cut him. And then you add him again for like 30%. It's just a, it, it's, it's, it sometimes stinks to be very early on these guys. We saw the same thing with like Jaleel McLaughlin, uh, where, you know, the very end of the draft process everybody starts taking him in like the 18th, 19th, 20th round, and then you end up cutting him. And then of course you, you add him back. So that's a frustrating one, but I want to also ask you about Demario Douglas. He's still out there in about 65% of leagues. We've seen back-to-back weeks of like seven targets. Um, and he can always get, seems to get at least one rushing attempt. Your thoughts on Douglas this week, he's got kind of an interesting matchup against Indianapolis. Yeah, I think he gives you more bang for your fab uh, dollar buck than uh, you're going to get from Keaton Mitchell, probably. Like, I, I think Demario Douglas is going to be the number one receiver on the Patriots going forward. Pretty good matchup against a, a Colts defense that's really given it up to wide receivers this year. Um, Douglas is just like he is a guy who gets open a lot and like makes an impact. And we saw during the summer from the Patriots beat writers, like every day, like, yep, Demario Douglas is killing it again today. He's just really good. Um, so like he, he kind of popped early on and, and like now he's finally getting his chance with, um, you know, like Juju is just, it's not, not happening for Juju anymore. Uh, Devonte Parker is Devonte Parker. Like he's, he's going to be inconsistent and get hurt and, uh, Kendrick Bourne down for the year. So like they are at the point where they need him. Um, they like, they have no other impact wide receivers on the roster right now. So like, I think Demario Douglas is in a spot where he is going to get six to 12 targets every week consistently and, uh, catch a lot of them. And like, he's pretty good after the catch too. So, um, like, I think he is a wide receiver three flex guy rest of the way, like a guy you can plug in your, your starting lineup every week and feel pretty decent about it. Yeah, I'm I'm I have a ton of Douglas. It's a guy that I was a few weeks early on. Uh he had like, you know, starts getting like four catches and then all of a sudden we're starting to see it where, you know, he's getting the seven targets and I love how you say 12 there, Pat. Get everybody juiced up. Uh get him a 12th target game. You know, that it's also he takes the pressure off of Mac Jones. It's a speedy slot player and again, the manufactured rushing uh, attempts kind of tell me that this is a coaching staff that knows that they're limited and they need to get to Mario Douglas involved. So definitely a guy that, that I'm into and I'm glad I have a lot of and highly recommend him if he's available in your league. Tight end, Kate Otten, has a career high with two touchdown catches, nine targets, has a six-catch game for the second time, I believe, this season. Your thoughts on Kate Otten? This Buccaneers offense, the game flow definitely helped them out. Um, you know, that was a wild shootout against Houston. But... Kate Otten's been a guy that we looked at as more of like a break glass in case, case of emergency floor play tight end, but it seems like he's trending up a little bit with Baker Mayfield. He's had three straight weeks of at least uh, six targets. I'm kind of into Kate Otten and adding him into some spots where maybe I lost to Dallas Goddard. Your thoughts on Otten? Yeah, I think he um, can be a, like a high end tight end too going forward. And, uh, you know, like it's a pretty narrow target tree. It's, it's Evans, it's Godwin, a little bit of Trey Palmer, uh, a, a little Rashad white. 
and uh, some Otten too. Like, I think there's room for him to be a pretty steady five to seven targeted game guy. The only thing is I'd, I'd caution against um, getting him as a week 10 stopgap just because the matchup against Tennessee is not great this week. Tennessee has been pretty stingy on tight ends, um, not so much on wide receivers. Uh, I, I think we could be in for a good Mike Evans day this week, but um, like, I, I don't know how Otten is going to do this week. I think I've got him at like, tight end 18 or something for week 10. Yeah. I, I think temper your expectations. It's also like when a guy has a two touchdowns, you know, a lot of times you don't want to pay for the touchdowns, but if you right. are able to get Auden, I think rest of season, having that sort of a floor, uh, especially during bye weeks, it, it can help you out. Uh, let's stay with uh, Philly though. Dallas Goddard looks like he's going to miss a little bit of time. How do you anticipate the target share numbers kind of dispersing? Like, Goddard has not been anything special this year, but it seems to me that those are going to go more towards is are you think we're going to see even more work for AJ Brown, maybe a little more work for Devonta Smith, or do you see them maybe mixing it up and, you know, maybe getting Gainwell uh, a little more involved or, you know, the running backs in general? Yeah, possible this does have some residual benefit to Gainwell and DeAndre Swift catching more passes because um, we we know there isn't a tight end who's going to like I don't see Jack Stahl becoming a fantasy viable tight end or, or Grant Calcaterra or whoever they have um, to help fill in at the position. Um, uh, I think it's going to be A.J. Brown as valuable as ever. And maybe this stabilizes Devontae Smith's floor a little bit because I, I know. Like he's had some splash games and he's also had some real duds. Maybe this uh, gets rid of some of the duds the rest of the way. Yeah, it's, you know, we always talked about like kind of the contingent upside of the Philadelphia Eagles receivers. And we included Dallas Goddard in that in like the the summer where if one of them goes down, it's probably going to be wheels up for the other two even more. This year, the only difference is A.J. Brown has been on an unbelievable tear in terms of usage. So I think this is sort of a, at least a slight nudge up for the Devonta Smith manager who's been a little frustrated, scores last week, scores the week before, starting to get a little bit of positive mojo as we get in the second half of the season. So that will definitely be interesting. Like, you know, last year at this time, we we were talking about how close in scoring Devonta Smith and A.J. Brown were, uh, and I believe it was A.J. finishes wide receiver six, Devonta Smith finishes wide receiver nine. And now this year we have this incredible uh, space between them in the PPR scoring. So it'll be interesting to see if it kind of at least evens out slightly, but AJ Brown looks like the league winner. Uh, Let's stay with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Your thoughts on Rashad White. This has been a guy where beginning of the season, Sean Tucker, you know, there's worries that Sean Tucker is going to eat into his workload. Then we get, you know, a couple people, couple people were talking about Chase Edmonds coming back off the IR and hurting Rashad White's uh, usage. Obviously, Keyshawn Vaughn is a guy that we never really were scared of, but he was getting worked in a little more than we like to see. Rashad White ends up having his best game as a pro, finishes his RB1 overall this past week, uh, gets a really, really great uh, performance against Houston. Your thoughts on Rashad White rest of the way and your overall thoughts on him this season? Yeah. And remember the summer, Theo, when it was um, we were just kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop with either Dalvin Cook or Kareem Hunt or Leonard Fournette uh, re-signing in Tampa. Like one one of those guys was going to sign with the Buccaneers and ruin the party for Rashad White. And he wasn't going to be this workhorse back. Never happened. He's a workhorse back. And um, it's the usage, man. Like I know he hasn't been hyper efficient and maybe he's got some headwinds with like Baker Mayfield as your quarterback, you're never going to be running against consistently light boxes when Baker Mayfield is your quarterback. Um, So like, we're not going to see him averaging 4.7 yards per carry. Uh, That's just kind of the fact, but he catches passes. He's getting a lot of carries. He's looked a little burstier lately. Like he's got kind of an unconventional running style. I I think maybe he's still sort of adapting to the NFL and um, he, he has looked better as a runner as the season has progressed. So I think you're pretty happy now. Like at first it was sort of empty volume, but lately he's making that volume pay off. And I think you feel pretty good about him giving you like at least mid-range RB2 value. Like running back is so much more about opportunity 
uh, than talent sometimes. And even though I do think Rashad White has some talent, I mean, the opportunity is what's glorious here. Yeah, it's it's funny that it's a guy that just can, seems to be dodging bullets in terms of other backs landing on his team. We also had the entire draft where, you know, there was leading up to the NFL draft. I remember I'm sitting with Matt Kelly um, and we were really uh, ahead on Rashad White, where we had him in our dynasty rankings and also in our redraft rankings with Billy Muzio and uh, early, early redraft stuff. And we're like just sitting there kind of holding our breath. And all of a sudden you see Bijan go, you see Jameer Gibbs go. And we're just like, I'm holding my breath. And I'm like, we got to, we got to dodge that Zach Charbonnet bullet. And we dodged it. And it's been kind of like that all season. And I think you hit, hit the nail on the head. He's a mid RB two. He's doesn't have the like excessive ceiling, but we did see it this week where he's able to put up a 25 plus point game. We know that's in his range of outcomes now. And Baker Mayfield, you know, has that offense playing pretty well. Talk about another team that's kind of punching up over expectations. I'm interested to see how Rashad White finishes out the season. Let's talk about Josh Dobbs, though. What a story, Pat. Is this one of like the wildest, wildest quarterback performances we've ever seen? I mean, the guy didn't know all of his teammates' names. He didn't know the playbook. They showed video of him on the sideline, like working on cadence uh, with the center and the rest of the offensive line because he just didn't have really any reps with these guys. And a big hat tip to like Kevin O'Connell, the offensive line, and Josh Dobbs, just the toughness um, and grit he showed to be able to step into that situation and get the win and look look pretty good um, in a lot of moments. Your thoughts on Josh Dobbs uh, and the performance this past week? It's funny, Theo. I'm a Green Bay Packers fan, so I'm obligated to hate the Minnesota Vikings. But um, based on our Bijan Robinson conversation earlier, uh, you can guess how I feel about Arthur Smith. I was really cheering hard for the Minnesota Vikings to win that game. And me cheering for the Vikings is not something that happens very often at all. That's like a Haley's Comet moment. Um, Yeah, that was really cool. Uh, Josh Dobbs is just having a a fascinating season. Um, And and maybe he can continue to float the value of the Minnesota skill players um, this season. Like, I think you're going to see some drop off in receiving yardage for, well, obviously the return of Justin Jefferson is going to kneecap Jordan Addison a little bit. Um, And I I don't think you're going to see Addison put up the sort of prolific numbers he put up with Kirk Cousins. But I think this offense is still going to be functional, at least with Dobbs at quarterback. He's going to float the touchdown potential of all these guys, including Madison, including Hawkinson, Jefferson, Addison. Um, Maybe the receiving yardage is not going to be what it was under Kirk Cousins, who did when he when he got hurt. Kirk Cousins was leading the league in pass attempts. Josh Dobbs is not going to lead the league in pass attempts the rest of the way. But, um, you know, he can at least make this a functional offense and maybe keep the Vikings in the playoff hunt. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Justin Jefferson is kind of quarterback proof and situation proof. At the very least, I think he's like a wide receiver eight type level. I don't think wide receiver one rest of season is kind of in the range of outcomes with Josh Dobbs. Like you said, the passing volume is going to go down a little bit, but Josh Dobbs did favor the tight end position um, in Arizona. We saw some fantasy success from Zach Ertz, fantasy success from Trey McBride. So I think Hawkinson remains about the same. Uh, And I'm pretty optimistic for this Minnesota Vikings offense in general they're five and four. I think they've got a good chance of making the playoffs. Right now, they would be in the playoffs if the season ended as the seven seed. Um, and kind of, what is your expectations for Dobbs? I think a lot of player, a lot of fantasy managers have been streaming quarterbacks, and now you've got Dobbs sitting there on a lot of waiver wires. To me, I think he's going to be somewhere. He was quarterback nineteen in Arizona. I think he's going to end up being right around that QB one, QB two line. I think he's somewhere in that like range where he's going to be in the streaming options and he's insulated by his rushing ability a little bit more than we've seen from a Minnesota quarterback in quite some time. Is this a guy you're interested in, in rostering in single quarterback leagues? Yeah, it actually is in, in leagues where, and I've got a few single quarterback leagues where, um, you know, Deshaun Watson hasn't really worked out like I thought he would. And I've been like kind of, um, juggling possibilities. And in one of those, I just put a a fairly significant bid on Dobbs because I'm with you, Theo. Like, I think he could be a high-end quarterback too, to maybe like the floor is like lower mid-range quarterback too, like quarterback 17 or 18, basically what he was in Arizona. 
he's getting better weapons than he had in Arizona. I mean, he's going to have Jefferson and Hawkinson and Addison. And um, they don't have much of a running game. We know that, especially they've lost Cam Akers. So now they're down to Madison and uh, Ty Chandler and maybe Kenny Wongwu at, at running back. So like they're going to have to be pass heavy slash Josh Dobbs run heavy. So, um, yeah, you said it. the rushing ability sort of raises up his floor. And now he's got a little bit of a ceiling with those pass catchers, too. So I'm pretty excited about his potential for fantasy even in one qb leagues yeah yeah and i think if he's if you're in a super flex league and you're able to trade in your league i think josh dobbs is one to kick the kick the tires on because i think that the value for him is going to be more in a few weeks than it is now even though he had a three touchdown performance i think there's a still a lot of trepidation with him being this veteran who was just traded didn't really do anything in arizona i think there's still some question marks but i believe in kevin o'connell as a play caller and I believe in the quality of this offense. And one other thing is it's going to be significantly better offensive line play than what he had in Arizona. So I'm uh, I'm I'm into to Josh Dobbs. One quarterback who's also coming back uh, that's a little like very exciting is Kyler Murray. I think if me and you would have podcasted six weeks ago and we guessed what week Kyler Murray was coming back this year, we would have brought up the possibility that he didn't play at all. So for him to be back at this time is really a positive thing i think to me it shows that arizona wants him to be the quarterback next year i think that's the easiest outcome for them is not going and getting one of these you know prospects and it's just kyler murray continuing what he's doing in arizona what are your expectations for murray what is his return due to the skill position players such as hollywood brown trey mcbride and even michael wilson yeah, you would hope they would kind of commit to him because they already like threw Josh Rosen overboard to go out and get Kyler Murray. So for them to do that again and, uh, you know, to to look for the um, prettier girl at quarterback, I guess, like that would be sort of a, I don't know, would make it feel like the franchise was on a treadmill. So, um, yeah, I mean, like we know Kyler's pretty streaky, like not only game to game, but like in game. Uh, um I've had him on dynasty teams where it's like at, at halftime, he's got three and a half points or something like that. And then you look up and at the end of the game, he's got 24. Um, so he can rack up points in bunches. I don't know if he's going to run as aggressively post ACL surgery um, for the rest of this year, but I think he can still be pretty valuable. Like I, I would think like low end quarterback one value, maybe the rest of the way. That sounds about right. I believe his lowest finish ever was like quarterback 11. Um, the The running attempts will be interesting because Drew Petzing had Josh Dobbs uh, running. Like they were doing manufactured runs for him and it seemed like he had the green light. I think it's always like these NFL teams maybe want to scale back the rush attempts for these players, especially coming off of an injury. But I don't know if that's in Kyler Murray's makeup. Like especially when it's kind of a blown up play you know, he's one of the better quarterbacks in the league at making something out of nothing. You bring up like the streakiness in game. It's kind of like a, a an NBA player who just gets like a heat check in like the third quarter and goes off for like 18 third quarter points. And you look at his final scoring line, and you're like, wow, how did he get 29 points? Like Kyler Murray, you almost love those games where they struggle in the first half and then he gets that second half garbage time. Like those are great for us as fantasy managers, but I'm cautiously optimistic. I'm really excited on teams where I've had Kyler Murray rostered. Uh, I think he's going to do well. I don't think they would have brought him back this year. And I certainly don't think they would have moved on from Josh Dobbs if they didn't have like an internal belief that he was going to do well this year. So I get the tanking. They don't have a whole lot of pressure on them to win games the rest of the way. But I do think that Kyler Murray is going to look like Kyler Murray, at least uh, most of what he looked like. And I'm excited to see what he can do for Trey McBride, who I think is going to be a top like eight or nine tight end rest of the way. And Hollywood Brown, last year before DeAndre Hopkins uh, was eligible, uh, him and him and Kyler Murray combined to have him up to like wide receiver six uh, in the early portion of the season. So I'm excited about that Arizona offense. How about Buffalo though, Pat? Buffalo loses to Cincinnati and the running game just could not get going. Uh, Latavius Murray and James Cook, neither one of them had anything in terms of yards per carry. It was ugly. 
is this a window for Leonard Fournette to get his opportunity? To me, it, uh, Leonard Fournette is the best uh, short yardage runner, the best goal line runner, and maybe one of the better receiving backs on the team as well. Your thoughts on on Lenny? Are we going to see playoff Lenny? Or are we going to see like uh, temper expectations for Lenny? Yeah, boy. Um, the bubble has really burst on James Cook pretty quickly, hasn't it? <sighs> um, like it was. It, the usage early in the season was so encouraging and uh, like, we just haven't seen the efficiency there and the bills have really struggled lately. Like, I mean, they, boy, if they had not been able to stop the giants on that last ditch uh, play at the goal line to, to win that game, if they had lost to the New York giants who now look like the premier doormat of the league, um, the bills would maybe be talking about like, you know, are we going to even make the playoffs? So yeah, I mean, maybe Fournette is the spark they need. I, I think, the most likely outcome is that he sort of replaces Latavius Murray, who's 33 and, and, you know, probably running on fumes at this point as like the, the platoon partner with James Cook, but maybe if Fournette shows a burst and you mentioned it, Theo, like he's a good pass catcher. Um, like if he is doing better in that regard than James Cook, like maybe we see sort of a backfield takeover where it's 60, 40 Lenny down the stretch. You also sometimes get these situations where these veterans who've had success in previous seasons show up and there's somewhat of like a veteran deference where the coaching staff kind of gravitates towards them. Josh Allen gravitates towards them. They don't really seem to have a whole lot of confidence in James Cook week to week, which is very disappointing. That's a guy Billy Muzio and I were very high on in the preseason, drafted a good amount of. And, uh, you know, the talents there, just the usage doesn't seem to be uh, how about, here's one for you. We've seen a recent rise from Dalton Kincaid. It's been incredible. This past week, he had the second most catches all time for a, for a uh, Buffalo Bills rookie in a game. He had the, he's now third overall with 10 catches behind, I believe, Mark Bavaro and Jeremy Shockey for most uh, rookie tight end catches in a game. Like, and he's 25 catches away from breaking Sammy Watkins, Buffalo Bills rookie record for catches. Like Dalton Kincaid is happening, but we also have Sam Laporta over in Detroit. Sam Laporta has been unbelievable. We have him as dynasty tight end one overall at player profiler. Uh, and I'm sure you guys have him very high up in your dynasty rankings as well. How about rest of season scoring? Who scores more points, Sam Laporta or Dalton Kincaid? I'll go with Laporta just because he has done it consistently. Um, but maybe like, it's not totally inconceivable as, as well as Kincaid has been doing lately that like, I don't know when, when Dawson Knox eventually comes back, do they, like, I don't think they can put the genie back in the bottle here. Don't put that out um, in the universe, Pat. Let's, I know. Let's, let's, I, I don't want to season. Don't tell me the expectations. And it's going to be a while before Knox is back, I think. And I, I don't think, uh, Quentin Morris is going to like, uh, burst the bubble for, Kincaid, but yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Like the, the, the taboo of rookie tight ends, Theo. And I know in my week 10 rankings, I have Sam Laporta tight end one and Dalton Kincaid tight end three, two rookies in the top three. Uh, granted it's a, a Travis Kelsey bye week, but you know, still pretty impressive nonetheless. So yeah, I'm like wheels up for Kincaid. If you waited this long, um, you're finally getting the payoff. And just curious, where do you have Luke Musgrave? Because I feel like he's also on the borderline tight end one radar this week. It's it's crazy to see at least three top 15 rookie tight ends, and you have two of them in your top three. It's it's wild times. And I think it speaks volumes to their talent level. And then Andrew Erickson, your colleague at Fantasy Pros, came right here on press coverage, and he said, like, you know, they both have such great quarterbacks, at least meshing with their skill sets as well. That helps a lot as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, man, I'd like to be optimistic about uh, Musgrave. I don't know, tough matchup against the Steelers. We haven't really seen um, Jordan Love get untracked yet. And I was, I'm a little disappointed. Like I thought we were going to use um, Musgrave as more of like a seam splitter and more downfield, but it seems like, um, you know, they use him as more of a horizontal target than a vertical target, uh, at least lately. So um, like I still believe in the talent a lot, but like in training camp, they were running jet sweeps to Luke Musgrave. Like I want more of that. This guy's a crazy good athlete. Like I want to, I want to totally 
unseal this guy. Break the seal on Luke Musgrave, please. Uh, yep. Matt LaFleur. It's a transformative season for the tight end position, without a doubt. But one player who's a rookie that is exceeding expectations from everybody, including us at Player Profiler, who were really pretty bullish on him versus consensus, is C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud set a rookie record with 470 passing yards, ties the rookie record uh, all time with five passing touchdowns. I mean, he just looks unbelievable. Your thoughts on C.J. Stroud, where do you have him rest of the season uh, about at the quarterback position? And your thoughts on him in, in terms of a dynasty uh, perspective? Because, Pat, I think that we're talking about C.J. Stroud is like right there is like a top six dynasty quarterback at this point based on what we've seen so far. I think so, Theo. And would it be crazy to think that C.J. Stroud might be a more valuable dynasty asset than Justin Herbert going forward? Like, I, I think those two are pretty pretty close in dynasty value. And I, I think in redraft, I've got Stroud as like QB nine going forward. I mean, the one concern is that we didn't always see great passing volume with him in some of the past games. And, you know, as, as good as Stroud has been, and, um, you know, as much as everyone likes uh, Bobby Slowick and thinks he might be a, a head coaching candidate down the road, um, the Texans have run on first down at one of the highest rates, if not the highest rate in the league. And I think they have the 12th highest overall run rate in the league. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's a slightly conservative offense and maybe that holds Stroud back a bit, but man, uh, like it, it's kind of crazy that the Panthers made such a, a bad choice here. And like the Texans are just so set up now. And, um, I mean, Stroud has just been phenomenal. And like, at this point, like I, I can't even imagine him uh, like us not thinking of Stroud as a top quarterback at any point in the next couple of years. Like he's pretty much already proven it. Like, I don't think there's any chance what we're seeing now is a fluke. He's just too good. And what's funny is we have this, um, you know, really highly anticipated Caleb Williams, Drake May uh, draft class coming up. And I think by the end of the season, CJ Stroud's going to be worth more than either of them. I mean, how could you elevate either one of them ahead of what we've already seen, uh, despite their big prospect profile? So CJ Stroud has just like found money for you. I, we got him in a number of waiver on a number of waiver wires in redraft leagues, and then in dynasty leagues, he was kind of like, you know, a, a player who you were able to get after Jackson Smith and Jigba in a lot of these superflex leagues. Um, so what a, what a story! But we're also starting to see the players around him. Uh, start to shine. Nico Collins, we saw earlier in the year. And I think Nico is a guy that we know what he is. He's a wide receiver too, moving forward uh, with spike week potential. But this past week, Dalton Schultz goes nuts. And Tank Dell has his third game with 20 plus uh, PPR points, uh, has a fantastic game. Your thoughts on Dell and Schultz? Well, uh, Schultz real quick. I mean, I thought like everyone was pretty disappointed that he was going from the Cowboys to the Texans. Like, ah, too bad. That kills his value. He was kind of a nice story. Uh, nope. He's, he's still got, you know, mid range to low end tight end one value. As for Dell, I got to give a lot of credit to my, uh, fantasy pros colleagues, Derek Brown and Thor Nystrom fell in love with him at the senior ball. Um, you know, Thor told me trying to cover Dell is like trying to cover mercury. The, the cornerbacks down in, um, um, mobile couldn't do it and when i saw him at the combine run like whatever it was a, a four four eight like i was really disappointed i'm like oh man like a, a guy that small i want to see him go like four three eight yeah you know like i if you don't have the special speed um but and i expressed that to thor and he's like dude like in in pads like that speed shows up don't worry about the speed He's been totally right. Uh, Dell has been great. A little streaky, granted. He's had three games over 20 points in PPR, four games under eight and a half points. So it is a little bit hit and miss with him. But um, yeah, I mean, he's going to be clearly a, a contributor now. Like I I had no interest in him in rookie drafts. Didn't get him anywhere. And I, I deeply regret it. Yeah, there's been a number of these hits this year. I mean, obviously, Puka Nakua, uh, Tank Dell. I mean, it's it's a what a what a great season 
for rookie production. The, you know, you, you've been extremely generous with your time, Pat. One more player that I want to ask you about is C.D. Lamb. C.D. Lamb, we talk about rational coaching during bye weeks and self-scouting where teams can kind of switch things up. And we've seen an, an unbelievable example of that and kind of a dream scenario for fantasy managers with how Dallas has treated CeeDee Lamb post-bye week. He goes for two touchdowns and 150 yards his first game out of the bye. And then this past week against Philadelphia, which was just an unbelievably entertaining game, he goes for 190-plus yards. And between the two games, he has 30 targets. Is this just complete wheels up for CeeDee Lamb? Is this a change in philosophy and is he going to be a potential league winner this year? Yeah, I'd like to think so. And granted, a lot of wide receivers have been smacking around the Eagles lately, Theo. But um, like, yeah, the usage has been great. They're finally recognizing him, I think, as as the alpha. And like Dak, you know, has really been locking on to him. And uh, like Dak has been putting up some of the best numbers he's put up for a while. Probably not a coincidence. Um, you know, Lamb is absolutely a, a top three, four, five talent at wide receiver in the league. One of the true stars along with Jefferson Chase, A.J. Brown, like um, th this is for real. And I'm glad the Cowboys have sort of recognized that and are, uh, you know, like designing the offense to get him the ball as much as possible. Yeah, it's it's a breath of fresh air. And it's kind of like the things we hope for as fantasy managers come into fruition. So, you know, we're not gonna say anything bad about the Dallas coaching coaching staff. You know, in the preseason, there was a lot of like, you know, Mike McCarthy, this whole offense is going to be a, a problem with Kellen Morgan. We never saw this sort of production from Lamb in back-to-back -back weeks in, in, with Kellen Moore. Like last year, Lamb had this incredible run where he was very, very good for the second half of the year. And for a, a couple of those Cooper Rush games, he also smashed. But we never saw this sort of like 30 targets in two games. He's perfectly capable of handling it. And this is like, CeeDee Lamb rising for the rest of the year. You love to see it. Give us one player that you're very bullish on for the rest of the season. Maybe one guy that we didn't talk about. Um, I'll say for me, it's Josh Jacobs. I'm very intrigued by the volume that he had um, in Antonio Pierce's first game as head coach. Uh, he talked about Josh Jacobs and about how, you know, Josh Jacobs is going to be a, an alt a longtime Raider. We want him to return to being a Raider. The Raiders are better when Josh Jacobs is running the football. And then we see him go get 26 carries, 98 yards rushing. They completely dominate the game and they just keep giving Jacobs the rock, uh, scores two touchdowns. I think like he's going to be the focal point of the offense, especially with Aiden O'Connell behind center. I think we're going to see him get a little bit, not quite to last year's production level, but I think he's like a locked in top six or seven running back for the rest of the season. And a guy that if you're able to go make trades, kick the tires on Josh Jacobs. How about a guy you're excited about, Pat? Yeah, that's a great call, Theo. Um, Javante Williams maybe is one. It seems like they've taken off the kid gloves as far as their handling of him and like willing to give him a lot of work, um, you know, even though we're uh, just basically a year removed from uh, the ACL surgery. So that's been great. And, and you know, like we always thought Javante Williams was going to be a star and we were bummed about the knee injury being this major setback. But now... Um, being a Sean Payton back and we know what kind of value Sean Payton backs returned in all those years in uh, New Orleans. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited about him and maybe honorable mention to like DeAndre Hopkins and how Will Levis has reinvigorated him. And like, I, I think we feel pretty good about this offense now. Like I, I know there are going to be some rough spat spots with Will Levis. There'll be times when he looks like crap, but um he is at least aggressively looking to throw the ball downfield, like not panicking and running the second the pocket starts to cave in on him. Like he's keeping his eyes downfield and looking for DeAndre Hopkins. Like I think if you're a Hopkins investor uh, where you were terrified in the first month of the season, I think now you're feeling great about it. Yeah, it's like the the Will Levis bailout for DeAndre Hopkins. You love to see it. And also uh, a, little, a little tick up in production. I think we're going to see some Derrick Henry games just based on Will Levis uh, elevating that entire offense. Pat, this was so much fun today. I love chopping it up with you. Let everybody know where they can find your work. 
Yeah, Theo, thank you so much for having me. Uh, everyone can go and check out fantasypros.com for my work and uh, you know all the great stuff we're putting up, articles going up every day. Uh, please check out the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast, and you can find me on Twitter at Fitz underscore FF. Awesome. And yeah, check out First Class Fantasy. That's coming out Thursday at 3.30. Jacob Sanderson is my guest this week. And then we're dropping a Sonic Truth podcast. It's been a couple of weeks, but Matt, Allen, and I are dropping one Friday morning. I believe that's going to be right around 10.30 Eastern time, but check out Player Profiler Twitter for the exact time. Uh, thanks for joining us. This was a great time. Let's crush it. It's week 10. It's time to grind. It's time to get these Ws. The playoffs are going to be here before we know it. Uh, and stick with us here at Player Profiler. Check out Pat's work over at Fantasy Pros and enjoy the rest of your week. Hey, I want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in. It's important to me that all of our media be free. This is only possible because of you allowing a true independent sports media enterprise to thrive unlike any other in the business. So please subscribe to the All In Package to continue to make all of this possible to ensure that all of our stats, information, data, content is available to you, especially you, the people that get the site and get the show.